0: In the garage, I'm Corey Culp. I'm Freddie Waff. I'm Mumbles today. That was a take two. We so speaking of take twos, we got movie number two for Tarnished Silver. Yes, we do. Okay, I and mean, before you go, Tarnished Silver, what the hell, Dickie? Okay, don't make the mistake. This is not Zombie Land 2. Double tap. <laughs> nope. This is just double tap. This is just double tap. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't make you go run for your copy of Zombie Land. <laughs> double tap. It may. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, wh- and
1: you know, why do they call it double tap? You'll have to watch it to find out.
0: So for the same reason, the other one's called double tap. <laughs> what? Well, uh,
1: yeah. So yeah. Double tap from 1997, mm. which is such a weird thing because, uh, it seems like a lot of other movies that were made like between like 1996. And uh, does this fall into like the post uh, Pulp Fiction wannabe sort of pulpy
0: noir?
1: No, th- but uh, of the late. I mean, I think that's what it was
0: shooting for. It just yes. didn't elevate itself to that. It's very noirish. I don't want to say it's like that the whole movie. I want to say it's more like after the first act, it feels like that, right? And more and more the third act than anything. It's it's very it's, it's a little schizophrenic because it's a hard, I had a hard time figuring out what this movie, what they're going for. Right. I think they kind of would have been better off just being a straight ahead movie based on this slug line. Uh, drug Lord targets an undercover FBI agent and the hitman she falls in love with while tracking. Um, right.
1: Sounds like a lot of other movies. Yeah. <laughs> I, bet if I, I, I rolled the dice. I could probably name three, but I'm not going to.
0: Yeah. What This one was picked early on in our Tarnished Silver list. In fact, the list wasn't very long. We, I think we had five total picks, right? And then we just said, that's good. Let's mm-hmm. just go with that. Yeah. This is another one of those accessibility things because this is available on Freebie as well as on Tubi, and I believe it was also on Roku. If you and it's also on, on Pluto. It's on Pluto. So it's on all four of the free ones. Yep. So there you go. Um I'll just say this. I mentioned this when we're doing one of the Tubi months. That, that the closed caption, uh, like it was on one of those movies, is the same on this one. Where I'm pretty sure it's airplane subtitles. So you know, not the movie they're airplane. Saying, they're saying, yeah, they're saying yes. Okay, just make just making that clear. I would it would probably would have made it better. I think so. It might have been making it better. Yeah. So um,
1: this this is such a weird movie, man. Because yeah. it's, it, it, this, it's it's pedigree. I mean, if you if you look at all the people involved, yeah, you know, you wonder how. This is where we ended up. Uh, well, it's not the worst movie in the world. And, you know, I didn't hate it while I was watching it. Um, but, I mean, it comes from Greg Utanis, right? right. Who uh, brought us Banshee. Yep. There were moments of this where I thought it had some sort of, you know, kind of had a little of that sort of Banshee-inspired nuttiness to it. Right. Um, but, you know, not enough, obviously. Not enough. The, the writers, <laughs>
0: the pedigree of the writers... Yep. Right. Yeah. Go and Millar, who you guys know from a lot of the things, but they're also known as the showrunners on uh, Smallville for its entire run, as well as the showrunners of Wednesday on Netflix. Right. So there, there's, your pretty, there's your range. There's your 2000s, which was, I mean, Smallville just started like seven years after this. So you figure they're developing it probably four or five years after this, but they were feature film guys before that. And this is one of those movies. And this- well-
1: they wrote, the, well, they wrote the screen story for this second Spider-Man, the Doc o- which I kind of think is the best Spider-Man, the right. one with Val for Million Doc Ock. Uh, and they also uh, wrote I Am Number Four, which I like the movie. I know a lot of people don't like the movie, but I, I didn't think it was. I, I mean, I thought it was definitely interesting. So, I mean, I really had high hopes for this movie. And the premise seemed like it, dude, and I, I, the premise seemed f- solid going in. The the first thing you see is Heather Locklear in a porn theater with a couple of a uh, Asian triad uh, drug dealers. One of them being Michael Paul Chan, who we I did. What, what movie did we talk about? We love Michael Paul Chan, but what was was it? Uh, U.S. Marshals. Yeah, that he was in that we covered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, dude, again, and this movie. If you if you look top to bottom of the cast, all solid actors. You got Stephen Ray. You got Peter Green whatever you think,
0: <laughs> but at the time, I'll tell you what I think of Peter Green, yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> like, uh, yeah,
1: Me too. Or I won't. And that'll tell you everything. Yes. Uh, but Michael T. Williamson who, to, you know, I think Michael T. Williams is great dude. Cause you know, he's one of the Sorrells from streets of fire. Right. <laughs> First and foremost, but you know, we, we know him from heat. We know him from Forrest Gump, uh, Kevin Gage, who we know from Heat as well, right? Wayne Grow is in this movie. Right. Uh, he was in G.I. Jane, he's in Con Air. he's in Blow. Robert Lasardo. Because I just watched King of New York like two days before Double Tap. And I, I got like a double help, a double helping of Robert Lasardo. Right. <laughs> but Robert Lasardo, when he still had a full head of hair, you know, it's funny because I feel like by the time I, I feel like a lot of people know him from Nip Tuck. Right. And CSI Miami. Terrence Howard shows up in this movie. Michael Paul Chan shows up in this movie. There are a lot of character actors from the late nineties and just people that we, that you're going to recognize, you know, you you see these guys and you're like, Holy shit.
0: What are they all doing in this movie? Yeah. And for those of you that watch days of our lives and the, In the late 80s and early 90s, A. Martinez is in this briefly. Dude, (laughs) dude, when I saw him, I I, I think it does it it, in the credits to just
1: credits him as Martinez, which I was like, Martinez. Right. Then then I showed then he shows up and I'm like, oh, that's fucking A. Martinez. Yeah. Somebody fucked up on his credit. Right. (laughs) Um, He was, you know, he played one of the villains on Longmire and he's great. Mm -hmm. Um, Was
0: it the days of Santa Barbara? I think it was Santa Barbara. Yeah, Santa Barbara. Oh, maybe it was Santa Barbara. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. one is on Days, though, too.
1: Maybe. I mean, look, yeah. dude, I feel like if you're on one of those, you're on all of it. Maybe yeah. start on Days and spun off to Santa Barbara when they, you know, because I think-
0: Yeah, they're both NBCs, so that would make
1: sense. Yeah. Yeah. And what is the guy, I forget the actor's name. I'm looking for it now. Richard Edson. In everything.
0: Yes. Who we know <laughs> from everything, dude. Okay, and we just talked about- Right? The, we talked about the main movie that everybody knows him from- He's known for stealing Cameron's dad's car (laughs) in Ferris Bueller's day off. Richard Edson.
1: Well, (laughs) he plays Fido and do the right thing. Everybody knows Ferris Bueller. Uh, Right. Well also, but we, he's also in strange days, which we pump every now and again. So again, you're looking at the movie and then somehow it, it just never reaches it. You know, it just doesn't reach its potential with all those parts. You know, what is that old saying? Uh, the product's not as good as the sum of the parts. Is that how it goes? Something sure. Like <laughs> yeah,
0: whatever. We'll it, it means this movie doesn't live up to its, it, what it should be. That's what, it, that's what we're saying here. We, we, right. Okay, we talked about with Fair Game, right? And the reason why I appreciate the the leaning on the pedigree of writers that were involved in this I, I think it's one of those things where the translation didn't work. I think they wrote their script. It was probably pretty solid. We we, we know be, before this, well, I not before this, but after this was Spider-Man 2. These guys can write. We know they know how to tell stories because they did it for eight seasons on fucking Smallville. This is like a fair game and that it falls into that. Everybody was on board, but I feel like maybe the script was changed. You know, I don't know who knows. But like you said, nobody's bad in it. Well, I, again, if this was a video podcast, you would... See the finger quotes. Everybody's good in it, except and yeah, we're I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. whether I leave it in the episode or not, it's another story. Everybody knows Peter Green. He's the baddie in this. Um, you know, from being the baddie in mask and uh, you know him as being, being the pawn shop Zed. And being Zed in <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Zed's uh, dead, baby. And we mentioned him a short while back in April, during April Fooled month where he shows up very briefly in Usual Suspects. we talked about one note ponies before. I mean, I don't even want to call it a full one note because I feel like he doesn't even show up to do that. I feel like he's just kind of... Someone calls action, he just says lines. I don't think he has any... I don't know what he does. At the, he, he's the same in everything. And I, it's, it's, it actually detracts from everybody else because everybody else is, shows up. even though Like, Stephen Ray is not normally playing a hitman like he's playing in this. Right, not at all. You know what kind of lens to it. He's you know usually doing more indie fare. When I say indie fare, I'm talking about Miramax. I'm talking about Searchlight. That's the kind of um, indie kind of stuff he does. And occasionally he'll pop in some big thing on a, in an ensemble movie. Heather Locklear is the same way. She's a straight TV gal, so this is this made a lot of sense for a straight to video kind of release. Sure. Stephen Ray, I, I mean, for me, but the, the, when I think of him, there's
1: two movies I think of. One is the crime Game, and of then the second one is Interview with a Vampire, right? You know, and then and then everything else that he's done other than that,
0: right? And in the flamboyantness of that he puts in the performance and Interview works, but his voice in this just seems weird, right? I don't know it, it under it 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 undercuts his part. I'm not saying I want him to be all gravelly and Go over the top. Or uh, Tom Hardy did his Bane.
1: Yeah. Literally, the lack of any accent or inflection. Right. And then again, I'm like, well, is that a character choice? Like he's right. just like this shell of a person. And, you know, I mean, I, mean, I don't want to give too much, but are you guys really going to watch this and maybe <laughs> not watch it? But, you know, it's, it, there are some enjoyable moments in this, you know, you could see Heather Locklear could smoking rock in a porn theater.
0: And that opening scene of all, of all places. And like,
1: do right. Like the very first scene in the movie yep. is them sitting in on a, Weird stage in front of in front of a giant screen while porn is playing, you know, and they're freebasing coke. <laughs> I, I I had high hopes for the movie at that point.
0: I was like, okay, well, I've never seen this before. Yeah, because Michael Paul Chan was kind of like smoke that rock, girl. Yeah. Okay, I want I. Okay, I need to say this. Remember, because I, I like I said, I I had the closed caption on. It always it's always on by default on the Apple TV because I come home from work. I I don't want I, I might always have the volume turned down. I'll sometimes leave it on, sometimes I'll turn it off. But it was on for this. That's how I noticed what was going on. M- Michael Paul Chan's character's name is Fung Suck. Two words. Yep. F-U-N-G-S-U-K. And I, again, after I already noticed that the, that the word shit is being said in the movie and it says stuff in the closed captions, I'm like, I don't know if, if Fung Suck is his real name. I don't know. but it, Is it? Fung Suck sounds like a name from Kung Pao. It doesn't sound like a. No, dude. Right? Like, again, it goes right into that whole weird Banshee.
1: Like, I, would you be shocked if there was a trick Fung Suck on Banshee?
0: Maybe not. Well, maybe. Um, I mean, Hoon Lee's on it, right? Sure. And he's great. And <laughs> in, in, in a lot of ways, he's kind of the Michael Paul Chan of Banshee. Absolutely. And he's fucking by my, oh my God. Everybody knows how talks about Anthony Starr on the show, and you know Ma's Homelander now and the boys and the cast on that show is super solid. But holy shit, dude, Hoon make, makes the show for me? You know, as Joe. But he like he's so fucking good on it. And he's just he's just a badass. And, and again, if you've seen it, you're kind of like that. Your first appearance of him is, you know, he's a little cross-dressing a little bit that first time you see him. But I I was wondered you know what were their plans for him I yeah you know, I was wondered was he always supposed to be that way I I, I love, I'd like to ask Greg that one time I ever run into him and say hey was he, what was the plan for him to be as involved with the show as he is because he's an integral part of it but yeah right again it's a weird situation for this movie just to have have him playing this part I mean it just funk funk suck just sounds like I was trying to figure out what it was tied to like maybe it was maybe there was some something around the mid nineties that I wasn't aware of. That was some cultural thing, but no, it's just a terrible choice in a character name, apparently. So, yeah, sure. I mean,
1: right. It's, it's just another mystery that is part of the double tap of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Terrence Howard is Ulysses. Right. Like I was like, I, I was trying to see, is there is there some sort of like Greek tragedy, Homer's the Odyssey vibe I'm supposed to be picking up here right. with these, you know, but no, I, I don't think that there is. <laughs> I have to
0: check my Homer. Yeah. And, D- and Doug Cruz is in this again, another one of those character actors, because this whole movie is ch- Other than Stephen Ray and Heather Locklear, this is a movie, it's just character actors straight through. But Doug plays a character named Lear. Now granted it's spelled L-E-E-R, but you really start wondering if there are they calling names from classic literature. that's what I started yeah. to think too, or like he's noted, Greek tragedies and, and stuff from fucking 4,000 years ago. Who knows, fuck, right? Right. Exactly.
1: One more shout out, you're gonna laugh, but dude, Kimber Sissons as yes, yeah, stripper. Just stripper. <laughs> right? But Kimber Sissons, I mean, she's somebody you're probably familiar with. I mean, I know you, pro- cause she's in empire records, right? Yep. She's the, she's at the craps table. She was in four. I, I recognize her immediately from Ford Fairlane. Yep. <laughs> cause she was, uh, I think she was pussycat in Fort Fairlane yep. and our named different. if you've heard Kimber Sissons, cause it's a name that sticks in your head. And when I saw her immediately show up in the movie, it <laughs> didn't, Playing stripper, <laughs> it right. made me laugh. Right, and I think that's right about when I texted you, I said this movie's kind of fun in a weird banshee, peculiar way. Yeah, again, it's it's not without its merits, but uh, its merits don't outweigh its uh, unmerits or faults, <laughs> if you will.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I want to point out too, she's also in the movie. Can't you can't hurry love with Bridget Fonda. Right, I really want to know why Kimber Kim Sistens has her name stripper. I mean, can you just give her a name? Like Stu Leffin plays old timer, right? Like and Bill and, Bill, and Bill and Billy Duffy, not Billy Duffy from 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 the cult, but no, Bill Duffy playing the gas man. You know Bill from a I'd fucking name it, dude. He was yeah, in everything. He's in a ton of stuff. A ton of stuff. You're gonna be like, oh, that guy's in this. Oh, that guy's in this. Oh, that guy's in this. Yeah what I found myself doing was I
1: was more, and I think it's probably part of what like, you know, I was like, Oh, this movie's not that bad. It's because I spent more time like playing the name and face game. Right. Then I actually did paying attention to what the story was because like you, you can watch this sound down and fucking know what's going to happen. I mean, it's, you know, it's not all that original We're Like we had talked about before my, everything is framed in four by three. Right. So you kind of know where all the action is going to take place. Yep. It it doesn't look that bad. I've seen movies of this ilk that, you know, that aren't lensed as well. You know, they, they couldn't get super creative, Um but you know, it's serviceable, which, you know, you never really want to say about me because uh, is that a recommendation? <laughs> right. It's serviceable. Serviceable. So is an episode of Silk Stockings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Some are anyway. Yeah, Well, yeah, 50%. It's only serviceable to the, to the ads that are surrounding it. Or if you couldn't sleep back in the 90s. This is, we, I'm trying to remember the last time we covered a movie where as I, what, how would I describe this silly ass thing to you? I described it to you because I think it's accurate. I don't know, but it's, it's very vanilla. Like, very vanilla. Like, not, like, not even like Not even like vanilla bean vanilla, like that, like that big tub of vanilla ice cream you used to scoop out when you're in elementary school and pop that on your plate. That's vanilla ice cream this is. And you're like, oh, ice cream. Like you're like, like you're going, oh, Heather Locklear. Yeah. And then you get there like, oh, well, I I mean, it's still ice cream, I guess. I don't know, man. It just, it's a, it's, it's a bummer because there's just nothing going on. Nothing happens, you know? Right. Like the the
1: story and you get it in pieces and it's it's kind of strong I bet it's you know it's not overly original and no. I watched it. I, I was I was mildly entertained. It's kind of the same way I feel about Fair Game. Uh was it the worst thing I've ever seen? No, it's not, especially not of its type. This movie was better than I I, I when we picked it, I was sure that it was gonna be so bad that we would just but it didn't even get that so bad that it's like outrageous and funny. and you, it, it wasn't even that. It was just kind of middle of the road for a middle of the road movie, which is, again, is that a compliment?
0: The log line on it, though. I was thinking, we don't know he's a drug lord. We don't, we don't know that Green's a drug lord. No. We don't know that. We just know that he's killing all these people. And the opening of the movie when, you know, Heather Locker is smoking rock. Obviously, she's trying to do a deal with somebody. So there's a drug deal going on there. But how are we supposed to know the Green's that guy? He's just around killing people. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He's just wearing eye shadow. And then, because he always does. Yes. Look at the mask. Everything. He He always wears mascara, dude. It's pretty interesting. Okay, the last part of the log line... The hitman she falls in love with while tracking. Does she fall in love with him? Um, I mean, just because no. she understands him more, just because she he understands, she understands why he leaves uh, Lucky Rabbit's foots at at, at the, after he's murdered somebody. I mean, he's kind of a Robin Hood of hitmen. He's out there. He's not stealing money. He's just killing shitty people, right? That's that's what he's doing. And in a lot of ways, he's kind of Deadpool it, right? It's kind of like if there was a
1: there was a side story to Death Wish, yeah, right. Like if 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 Death Wish didn't concentrate, and if it wasn't about Charles Bronson, but it was about the cops who were chasing Charles
0: Bronson. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to disca- describe it. Now, um, I think what it is is like when you say what you said earlier about about it sounding like something we everything we've seen before is like. You know, I'm curious to see, to put, to copy and paste this log line into Chat GPT and, tell, and just see what it comes back with. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I feel like it's, I feel like, hell, it's that that movie, this movie came out in 1997. So, whatever data it's gathered over the last 26 years, I bet you it's a better story script than this is. Or at least a better story going on there. It's fair. I don't know, man. I I think it's, I'm just bummed because I'm very I'm very fond of Stephen Ray, and I'm like I and Heather Locklear. I'm like going, oh, you know, she's fine in it, but knowing the kind of tumultuous life that she's had of the last fifteen years, like in her personal life, watching her smoke rock at the beginning of this is just kind of because it was disheartening. It was just too real. You know what I mean? Which is kind of like. Yep. Ah, uh, fuck off, dude. It's like it's a. It's, it's like
1: watching Dennis Hopper play an alcoholic in
0: um, Hoosiers. Yes. Well, it's it's awful, dude. Uh, I mean, would I feel differently in '97? Uh, probably. I probably would have felt different because I wouldn't know everything that we know now. Like she, you know. She, also, like I feel like when, you know, when
1: you're younger, you probably don't have as much empathy and you know life experience and. You don't feel that, you know, you're just like, hey, whatever, man. She's just the, yeah, whatever. She's just this model chick from, you know, from TJ. It's the chick from TJ Hooker who cares. Mm. I'm just saying, I feel like, you know, there's probably a part of you that, you know, at our, the age we are now, you look at people and you have more empathy for, you know, people's struggles, right? Like. Every day is a struggle, right? No matter, you know, that's why you should be kind to people because you don't know what everybody's struggle is every day and everybody's got a struggle, whether they admit it or not. You know, every day is a struggle for something, somewhere. Like some days it's less of a struggle, but some days it's more of a struggle. You know, and I feel like that there's probably the 1997 version of me probably wouldn't have even thought twice. I would have just said, ah, she's a shitty actress.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's not... I mean, she's fine. But and she's cute. She's, <laughs> she's yeah. Oh, she's adorable in the silly ass movie. Like she's with her. It's I don't know. This is what I was talking about with with Fair Game. I think the limitations of some of the performers are just I don't know. It's a magnifying glass, and then when the when what they're working from and the dialogue that they're reading is crap, you know, if it just it's just uninspired. Uh, at, what was I was saying last week? Uninteresting, fair game. That's in a lot of ways, this is kind of, yeah. I mean, don't, it's like here's the thing: I didn't give a fuck what happened to anybody no. in this movie,
1: dude. Just me, meand- the movie just kind of meanders and rambles to an end. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: Like, yeah, there's too many. Like, there just starts to be too many storylines,
1: and you know.
0: Uh, <laughs> Too much, <laughs> we're, too much. So bu- we're so bummed about the movie i've never been so like ugh. no i dude i wanted it to They'd i wanted been- it to be good too i really did i really thought i really thought like all right Stephen ray's gonna elevate this but the problem is he's not in it a lot no dude like literally like he
1: i feel like he i feel like it was a 25 day shoot and Stephen ray worked. we had they had him for four days i was gonna
0: say three but okay <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm just going to give them benefit of the doubt and say there was 21 days with everybody else. I feel like Michael T. Williamson might have been the same way. Like, I feel like they shot all his stuff. Probably. I don't know. It's a weird movie, man. I know. Was,
0: that, by the way, that when they do the whole house blowing up, that whole bit. At first, I thought that was sound creative, but it's not. It's Silmar. I looked it up. Ah. Uh, I, I looked up. The, I I just looked at the street corner. Fortunately, they stood there, stuck there long enough, and the image was clear to enough see the signs to see the sign and then the block number. So like I looked it up. I'm like, it's in somewhere. It was a much newer and similar at that time. But but that whole thing, I mean, eight million dollar budget. We talked about before we hit record. Again, shooting in L.A. That doesn't sound like. All, I mean, it's that sounds about right for shooting in probably '96, maybe early '97, depending on when this actually came out. Sure. In September. There's not much to it, so but I, I think the avid situation, I think people were still cutting on flatbeds and stuff yeah, and
1: the camera packages were expensive. they weren't given you know they were they weren't giving people they weren't giving people deals, you know I mean the deals that they cut now everybody was still like because really there was only one or two places to get cameras from, right and it was a it was a seller's market <laughs> So if you had the cameras, you know and you want to make a movie,
0: I got the cameras. You got to pay me, right? If you want to shoot Panavision, guess right. what? You can't buy those anymore. You there's like only nope. one place to get them from. <laughs> <That's> correct. <laughs> Out there in Woodland Hills. Woodland Hills. Yeah. Here's the thing. It doesn't look like a cheap movie. You, know? no. you don't look
1: at it and be like, "Oh God," it, it, you know. There's some production value for sure. Sure. Marsha Hines who's a production designer who's done a lot of stuff. John Peters shot it. Right. You know, look him up. He's he shot a lot of. I mean, I think John Peters wanted to shoot a lot of TV and I mean, got, yeah. you know, and CSIs and stuff like that. Yeah, and,
0: yeah. So framing for for four or three is super easy for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, look, you knew what he was doing, and the, and the and the and the shot compositions, while not overly creative, interesting, you know, for the most of them. But I mean, for the most part. But when you're in a limited amount of sets, and you got to keep, you know, there's only so much you can do. So right. You know, and again, for this type of movie, it had a pretty big cast. I mean, I felt like there were—I felt like there were at least three too many characters. Oh yeah, there were some characters you could have just done without, like the three agents. Again, see, that's why I was like, are these three agents supposed to be? Is this like some Greek tragedy? <laughs> right. <laughs> three sirens. I, I, you know. Again, I don't know, man. I, I would like to maybe, but probably not want to waste my time. But I was like, uh, would I look at the script and see if I could? No. I'm not that interested, but it, again, it, it was the, these are the things that crossed my mind while I was watching it, which. So here's the thing I'm playing the face in the name game and I'm trying to figure out what is the script is the movie a win.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
1: It, Dude. And Dick Donner was involved. Him I and, know, and, and, but you know what? Though? He
0: was just taking money. Yeah. At that time. Donner Schuler and Silver Pictures were literally like if you if you walked out the front door at Joel Silver's office, Silver Pictures on the Warner Brothers lot, and walked straight out and walked across the street right there, or walked across the roadway where everybody parks or drives their carts through, right down this atrium style uh, walkway, you'll walk right into Schuler Donner Productions. They're like literally right there, right. It's funny because when you walk back there, it's it was always such a trip because neither one of them are there now. Silver Pictures has been off the lot for a long time, and I think Laura moved off the lot even long before Dick had passed. You would just walk up and just see this little foyer area uh, with, that was loosely covered, and and just, it was outside, just seat, seating and chair, uh, seating and tables and everything. You know how many like classic movies were just. Yammered about like there, and editorial decisions being discussed and shit, just just hanging out drinking coffee or booze or whatever the fuck they were doing, smoking cigars. It was such a a unique time to be walking around the lot too that having access a lot was so big to go always walk around and check out those two things, knowing they were so they did such prolific work. Dick never really dove into this side of things, you know. Laura did more direct, uh, more producing, uh, non, you know, other movies that Dick wasn't directing. But Silver was always in, in this kind of realm. He was always digging around, like how many movies can I get out there? And and you know, like we talked about during Fair Game, he's in he's in the in between right now, right? He's in the uh, in between of putting Lethal Weapon behind him and trying to find something else, but just trying to tread water in between. And I can't recall like right around this time though. Like Bound, right? He's putting Bound out right around this time because this guy was it ninety seven or ninety six or ninety eight. This is ninety seven. No, this was Bound was, 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 ni- Bound. Bound was ninety six. Yeah, because because at that because while he was pitch while white while the siblings were were from were pitching Bound and during all that during post and then after shooting it, uh, they were already discussing the Matrix and uh what a jump though Like it's going to be easy for us to keep referring to this at least for these first two because the other two movies come after The Matrix but yeah you can still feel them kind of trying to figure things out while still Warner Brothers used to have this thing and if you're not making movies for them and making them money no matter what you've done for them before your longevity on the lot is going to be pressed and uh whether that is an increase in leasing, you know, for for, for a variety of reasons. But this is a little sidebar. For those that aren't real familiar with the whole getting a, a an office on a, on a studio lot, this goes for even the independent ones. You will get charged for every fucking thing possible. If you can be charged for it, they will charge you for it. So not only do you get the office, they'll charge you for a phone line. They'll charge you for chairs they'll charge you for they'll charge you for all this stuff because you have to have certain things bought they, they're just they're just nickel and dime you it's fucked up but so when you're not when you're not making movies for them you're not making them any money but there's other people that could be doing that for them you're gonna find your way out the door even when clint eastwood when has clint eastwood done anything but a warner brothers movie as far as directing right, right. Always been, it's always been Warner Brothers. Anytime he even steps away from the camera elsewhere, like with Wolfgang working on In the Line of Fire, that was Columbia, wasn't it? Yeah. TriStar? Yeah. Right. And I
1: think he had a, like a, he had a cup of coffee at Universal too. Yeah. El Paso
0: has been on that lot for fucking 40 years. But in the late eighties, early nineties, he was starting to feel the heat. Uh, of Clint you mean was like doing pink Cadillac. Yeah. And, uh... All that stuff. Cause he wasn't making them any money, any money that they were happy with. And then just, and then I started hearing the murmurs about this, you know, we hope that the Unforgiven pulls it off for him because if this one fails for him, then he's going to probably be moving on to somewhere else. <laughs> as far as a uh, finding for a new, find new uh, home on uh, whatever, somebody else's studio lot. And of course, fucking the movie was huge and won oscars and it's not about it's not about the uh what you think of the movie or anything like that it was well received and won awards and he was back in being the gold because he wasn't
1: like that anymore ned yeah (laughs) shit you know what's weird is double tap was sandwiched in between uh for silver two mel gibson movies conspiracy theory and lethal weapon 4 yeah Right before The Matrix. And, uh, you know, it's also, I forgot, you know, he was also doing, uh, he'd also had a bomb called Father's Day <laughs> with Robin Williams and uh, Billy Crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also, uh, there, yeah, he had a lot going on there. I mean, we had the uh, Bordel. we had those two Tales from the Crib movies. He was coming off Tales from the Crypt, which turned into perversions of science. I mean, yeah, I feel like Joel Silver was just doing everything, right? Like he had his fingers in everything. Right. Somebody- Probably said, "Hey, man, uh, you know, what would get us some more money? Is if you just, you know?" He's like, "Yeah, just put my name on it, whatever." You, you think Joel Silver visited the uh, set of Double Tap?
0: <laughs> no, I'm gonna say probably not. I gotta say the one of the other weird things about about the Father's Day remake, the one with Billy and, and Robin, is like, what a pairing, right? Would you ever have thought Ivan Reitman working with Joel Silver? To me, that just the idea of that was just insane. It didn't sound right. Doesn't Mel Gibson have a cameo in there? Like, does he work? Isn't he like one of the? He like a, isn't he like? Isn't he Carney in it? Maybe. I think he is. It's funny because I feel like that is a movie that I barely remember.
1: Like, until I just saw it, I kind of had forgotten it even. I throw it in there with those. There's those a weird Ivan Reitman movies that kind of come after Twins, right? So there was Twins, but then he made Junior and this Father's Day. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's weird. It doesn't seem like... It, it's a strange movie. I mean, again, like, Joel Silver had his fingers in everything during the 90s. and But he was starting to lag because, you know, the, the Lethal Weapon movies, like you said, had run out of steam. Right. I like conspiracy theory, but I don't think conspiracy theory was big, you know, runaway hit that some of the earlier, you know, it wasn't because they were were coming off was that his, I think that was Dick's movie right after Maverick, right? Yeah, maybe because I think Maverick was 94, 95, I think you know, it, whatever it doesn't matter. But yes, we're just rambling now to fill time. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's not true. Look, here's what I would say: the the end of this movie made me laugh harder than anything, dude. When Stephen Ray disposes of Peter Green.
0: I was going to bring this up. I'm so glad. I'm glad you reminded me that. I almost forgot.
1: First of all, it made me laugh when he's like, is "This what is this? It smells like." Does he say lighter fluid?
0: No, gasoline. gasoline. No, he says gasoline.
1: Okay, so he does say gasoline. Yeah. And then Stephen Ray gives some weird lame, ex- like, just some, his reply is just like, I'm like, what the fuck? Just find yeah. him on fire, dude. Right. And well, then, yeah. good. Do you remember Silent Rage with Chuck Norris? Yes. Okay,
0: right? Like, right. Peter
1: Green, and suddenly he's like wearing a jumpsuit while he's on fire. Like, it's literally, they keep cutting back and forth, but like, you're just seeing the dude in the fire suit.
0: Right? (laughs) One part part looks like a decent burn. And then all of a sudden, they catch another angle on Mike going, Oh, Oh, that's not shot. That's not shot on the day, dude. That's a different day.
1: 100%. And it's also weirdly um, how much of a badass do you think you have to be to still be able to fight while you're on fire like that? Because he should have just lit him on fire, stepped back. watched him fucking burn to death and thought about maybe putting a bullet on him, but like, nah, fuck you burn motherfucker. But dude, when it starts turning into like, you know, I feel again, someone's like, you know, it'd be great. <laughs> if this, do you remember lethal weapon Riggs and Mr. Joshua? I mean, there's a, it's kind of a half-assed version of yeah. that for a moment or two. And I'm just yeah. like, and I just remember watching it in stunned silence for a few minutes and, and it goes on for a while.
0: Okay, so long before that ever happens, and Stephen Ray shows up at Peter Green's compound or whatever the fuck it is, it looks like five different locations at some park yeah. near Griffith Park, right? I don't even think it's a mansion or a house or anything. I think it's just somebody's backyard pool at one point, and the rest of it is just the mountain area, hilly area around Griffith Park, and then observatory. <laughs> fucking ridiculous, seriously it almost looks like the gorilla some of it I don't even, you know, other than the burn part of it because obviously they have to have permits for that well, they should have had permits for it when he shows up and he starts putting you assume he's putting gasoline in this, down this pipe this PVC thing sticking out of the ground I'm like, well, what the fuck's he doing Um, I don't want to be a dick or anything but plumbing doesn't work that way no I don't care if you're pumping gas or pumping water. It doesn't work that way. It certainly does not. And here's this other thing. He's got a gas station pump type of nozzle. Where the fuck is that coming from? Right? Like,
1: no idea. (laughs) I'm just like, what is, what is, yeah. I mean, the whole thing is kind of ludicrous, dude.
0: It is. The movie, like I said, this is what we were talking about. uh, What I was mentioning before about you get to the third act and like, well, now, what are you trying to tell me about what you're trying to be at? Was, it's so, again, very noirish through like the middle section. But when you get to that final showdown, it's like, what the fuck is this? It feels like, what was that other Chuck Norris movie? Was It It was, oh, fuck, we The Hero know? and the Terror. Thank you. That's exactly the one. Yeah. No, this, is, this is why we do this <laughs> show together. <laughs> that's That's what it feels like. It just feels like this. Fucking, I don't know. Double tap. It was originally called Cipher because that's the name of Stephen Ray's character. At least that's the name he goes by. It's his code name because you know that's an original code name. Calling it Cipher because Cipher is what itself. The word itself is code. You know? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah dude, super creative, yeah. right? Also, again,
1: <laughs> I feel like it comes from the Greek word, right? Again. I- <laughs> I know. I feel like it's. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. But I am I giving them too much? I, I was trying to give them more credit. Well, but I bet you. Yeah. I don't know, man. Who knows, <laughs> dude? I, I don't know. Uh, did I enjoy it? Sure. Uh, you know, it was 87 minutes of whatever. Oh, 87 minutes. <laughs> Eight hundred and seventy minutes of no. it, it, an hour and thirty-one minutes in some places, minutes. And eighty-six minutes somewhere else. So it's 96, 87, 91. Sure. I mean, I guess this depends on when you shut off the credits.
0: Because that dude, like the end crawl goes on forever. Oh, I didn't even wait that long. No, that's not true. Dude. I let it autoplay and it autoplayed on Tubi into a movie called The Contract. And that movie actually looks worse than this one. And that doesn't have anybody recognizable in it.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, Double Tap is the exact kind of movie you would have found like on late night cable. Um, you know, in the 90s when you came home, fucking shit faced from three of clubs and you walked up to Tommy's on Bronson in Hollywood and <laughs> had yourself a fucking chili burger to soak up the booze so that you didn't wake up with a hangover, but you didn't want to go to sleep too early. So yeah. you put double tap on and you watched it till you passed out on the couch. And you say, why is this called Cypher? There you go. <clears throat> that's, that's,
0: that's my final word. <laughs> double tap. Double tap. Tarnished silver. Tarnished silver. You know have a color of tarnished silver, anyways, right? Uh, no. What color is it? It's green, with an e on the end. <laughs> Peter, green, tarnished silver. Tarnished silver. <laughs> Double tap. <laughs> uh, all right. If you want to follow us on the socials, the show is on at Karate Pod, on, on X on Letterboxd and on Insta and on Insta you can find Corey at Culper97 and on Letterboxd is Corey underscore Culp
1: if you'd like to follow me you can follow me at Rock and roller 33 on your Instagram or at Peter Green at letterboxd.com that's Peter G-R-E-E-N-E not to be confused with Ellen Green
0: at letterboxd.com and get the spelling right otherwise you're going to get the real Peter Green and then you're going to find out all he does is watch his own movies